This podcast is brought to you by Laterno University. Laterno University is the Christian polytechnic university in the nation where educators engage students to nurture Christian virtue, develop competency and ingenuity in their professional fields, integrate faith and work, and serve the local and global community. Laterno offers more than 140 undergraduate and graduate degree programs across a range of disciplines and delivery models at Laterno's residential campus in Longview, Texas, and in hybrid and fully online options at centers in the Dallas and Houston areas. Online at letu.edu. That's letu.edu. Hey there, it's producer Michael Miracle here. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. We are your on-air resource as a workplace believer. And check out our website for tons more I Work For Him resources. We've got blogs and podcasts and reading material and all sorts of fun stuff there. Plus, a link to listen to the live show several times a day. Yep, head to the website. That's IWorkForHim.com. IWorkTheNumberForHim.com. And the listen tab's up there on the top left. Click that, then click the live link, and you can listen to us live every weekday. That's IWorkForHim.com. I work the number for him.com. And now let's go ahead and kick off what we all came here for, hearing more about connecting what we learn on Sunday with what we do in our nine to five. This is the I Work For Him podcast. Welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon as we're on location in Roseville, Minnesota. I can't wait for you to meet our guest today. But before, just check us out online, IWorkForHim.com. That's IWork, the number four, him.com. We'd love for you to check out the I Work For Him nation. When you click on IWorkForHim.com, a flag will pop up. The I Work For Him Nation. Consider being a change agent in your marketplace, in your workplace. Being a person that is really starting to look for change in the workplace by praying for those you work alongside each and every day. Looking for ways to serve them. Looking for ways to befriend them. But all along, being a person of excellence. Because if you're going to make an impact on your workplace, it's got to start with you. And also, you can also connect with us, Martha, on our I Work For Him listener line. They can, Jim. So they can call into 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. And that is a way where they can leave up to a minute long message and just connect with us. Maybe it's something that they heard. Maybe it's something that they have a question about. But um, that is a way where we can hear people's voices. And it's what such an encouragement to us. And as I said, we're on location in Roseville, Minnesota, but it didn't tell you that we're on location at the University of Northwestern right here. They call it St. Paul, Minnesota, but it's really Roseville. So because I'm so black and white, I can't say it's St. Paul because it's just outside (laughs) of it. But Christian higher education, plain and simple, it's expensive. And do you get your money's worth? Do your kids graduate with a great education as well as being solidly grounded in the Bible and their faith in Christ? And with the recognition that their workplace is a mission field. You know, I'm sure there are arguments both in favor and not in favor of Christian higher education. We're going to talk about some of that today. However, there's one school that I've grown up knowing all about that consistently produces disciples of Christ with a great education, all the while being a huge light in the community of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Today, we're on location, like I said, at the University of Northwestern in Roseville, Minnesota. Growing up, it was known as Northwestern College. Now it's grown into a university, still producing excellent. Excellent, biblically founded students that run that we run into across the country, all across the country. I thought it'd be fun today to talk to the president of the university to see how the University of Northwestern is preparing students with an I work for him kind of attitude. Dr. Alan Curitan, welcome to I work for him. Hey, Jim, it's good to have you here and Martha as well. I have been looking forward to this time together for weeks now after you were able to set this appointment up. So welcome to Minnesota. I'm glad you're here and it's good that you're here in the summer. <laughs> That's right. I- I miss the winter. Martha, however, does not miss the winter. So we're, that's why we're here.
here. All right, so Alan, may I call you Alan? Would that be you okay? You can call All me right. Alan, sure. All right, Alan, how did you come to be a follower of Jesus? You know, I, I made the wonderful decision to go to church camp back in sixth grade. Now, was that here in Minnesota? Did you oh, grow up here no. in Minnesota? No, no, no. I grew up in the northern suburbs of Chicago, up in a place called Lake County, but okay. uh, went to a church camp up in Wisconsin, and for the first time at that church camp, heard the claims of Christ. And so in sixth grade, this would have been June of 1966, uh, sitting around a campfire. I made my commitment to Christ at that time and invited him into my heart. And I've tried to follow, be a follower of him ever since. You know, Jim, we've been hearing a theme that goes back to church camp a lot while we've been doing interviews here in the Midwest. And I think that um, that's something I just want to give a, a kudos to because mm. we don't realize the power of the summer camp as, and in the church setting where um, kids can sometimes he- have heard the message a hundred times, but they're engaged differently when they're away from home, they're with their peers and um, their hearts are open and ready because churches are praying for those kids as they go. So once again, we're hearing that. So I just want to encourage people to think about that, whether it's for this year or for future years, that it really is a part of um, an amazing legacy that can be made. And anywhere in the country, you could send your kids to some of the yes. phenomenal church camps here in Minnesota, like mm. Camp Shamanau, where we both went. So, <laughs> all right. So Dr. Kirkton, you graduated from Bible college, but then you got a doctorate from Iowa State. And there's some would go, well, really Iowa State? But you know, that, that's, you know, that's just that, that, you know, big 10 problem here. <laughs> At what time, what point in time did you realize you had a call in your life for leading in education? Well, when you go to college, you uh, especially when you uh, go to a high school that I went to, which is mainly a blue collar type of high school, uh, you don't really show your classmates that you have a brain. (laughs) So, especially if you played football like I did, so you know you just kind of you you run with the crowd and not want to stick out too much. When when I got to college, when I went to school down in in Sterling College in Kansas, um, and wanted to major in Bible and play some football, my faculty found out, hey, you've got a brain. And now we're not going to let you slip by anymore. <laughs> we're not going to let you ease by like you've done before. And they've opened up, at that time, they opened up the world of ideas to me. And what does it mean to think and philosophy and and just kind of open up that new horizon for me. And that, I just found it absolutely delightful. And so um, you don't grow up thinking, I want to be a college professor. I mean, that's just not. You grew up, you want to be a fireman, a policeman, <laughs> something along a doctor. Like that. You never thought to yourself, I want to be a professor. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was during that time uh, that the faculty invested in me, not only mentoring me spiritually, but also intellectually. And it's just an opportunity for growth. And and so then out of faithful obedience, I thought I, would be, I was going to be a pastor. But um, the Lord had different ideas in mind. And so uh, I went on to graduate school and then eventually uh, pursued my doctorate. My doctorate is in history and philosophy of education. My dissertation is on how college students grow through the stages of spiritual development during their collegiate years. And oh. um, I found that absolutely fascinating and wonderful. And it was new uh, research at the time back in the 1980s, but there's been a lot of things on faith development since then. Oh, and so sure. I was at the uh, the birth, or if you will, the cusp of, of a start of a new research field at that time. So it was pretty exciting, but that's really my interest. My interest is to learn how people learn and then how to shape that learning process. Hmm. We're talking with Dr. Alan Curitan. He's the president here at University of Northwestern in Roseville, Minnesota. I would love for you to check them out online, unwsp.edu, unwsp.edu. Now, okay, so how did God lead? You got all that experience. So you were a professor first. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So what, and you were teaching history? Uh, history and philosophy of history, education. History right. and philosophy. Okay. But how did God take all of that and lead you to here, University right. of Northwestern? Because you've right. been here now 16 or 17 years. 17 years. That's correct. Mm. And, and please understand too, you know, you, when God finds you or directs you to the sweet spot, there's nothing greater than when you're in the sweet spot that God intended for you. Amen to, to that. And what I found out was that um, I was interested in leading and managing organizations and, and then strategically moving them in that direction. A lot of that surfaced during my early years uh, when I started taking on more administrational duties and getting away from teaching. But during working on my doctorate while I was at Iowa State, I was, I was part of a team that tried, that sought and pursued and attained money for various centers of interdisciplinary research. And what I learned there was that you could mold and shape and direct an organization through providing resources and influence and casting a vision. And so that trajectory, that path then later evolved with other positions that I, uh, that I professionally had over the years and which led me here today. So my sweet spot is casting that vision. My sweet spot is understanding how an organization can move strategically, effectively, and efficiently. And uh, I really enjoy being in the sweet spot. Mm. Well, I mean, that's when it comes most naturally. I mean, that's when it's, when you're in your sweet spot and you're like, huh, this doesn't seem near as much work. My father-in-law has said it forever. When you find a job you love, you never go to work a day in your life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I get paid for this. And at the same time, we're impacting the lives of people a hundred thousand fold. When we look at the footprint of Northwestern, especially, and we'll talk about this later, through our media ministry, as well as our university, it's Mm -hmm. just phenomenal. And we ride under the table. Nobody, you know, it's not a, you know, we're not a Harvard or a UCLA. We just ride in doing goodness and fulfill the, yeah, right. <laughs> and fulfill the, the kingdom, the kingdom's call upon us. And so mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's just a delight to be here and a delight to be in this role. You know, it's great to hear what it is that God has created you for your sweet spot, because that's not a role for everybody. No. And, the, and if you weren't doing, you know, I'm very thankful that there's people like you doing what you do, because I am the, I'm the getter done girl. So I need a visionary, you know, to, to cast it because then I can put it into action. But, um, that's a huge responsibility that you have here. But maybe you're listening today and you're not sure what your sweet spot is. We invite you to check out the mm -hmm. ministry of identityanddestiny.com, identityanddestiny.com, finding your God given sweet spot, a phenomenal ministry. We've highlighted many times on the air, Mm -hmm. identityanddestiny.com. Dr. Kirtan, as you look at, you got 30 seconds. So just talk about the highlight up to today. What is the, what's been the most, the the biggest thing you've learned about education in 30 (laughs) seconds or less? Educational, uh, that experience is transformal. You can be transform, it's transformational in that regards. So um, it, it helps people grow. There's, there's an opportunity to develop your intellect, to develop your social skills, to develop your spiritual journey. And so that's what's really the essence of the college experience, mm-hmm. transformation. And that's what Northwestern, University of Northwestern is known for, is that transformational experience. That's why we wanted to be here. That's why we wanted you to hear about this ministry and hear it from the president of the college, Dr. Alan Curitan. University of Northwestern, find it online, unwsp.edu. We're talking with Dr. Alan Curitan. He's the president of the university, Ben so for thir- 13 years, 13 plus four, it's 17. You've been here a lot longer than you, than he, did you ever expect to be here this long? No, no. The average tenure for a university's president is six years, 6.8 years. And wow. so to be here 17 is, is unusual. However, the longevity and leadership, especially for a nonprofit is essential for its growth and its strategic yeah. direction. So those organizations that are nonprofit with long-term leaders do well, churches, hospitals, universities. 
Yes. So that continuity is important. And we were just talking with our nephew this morning, who is a graduate, graduate from yep. here. And you were, it was early on in your um, career here, but he, re- he knew your name. So tell us what you have seen change in higher education in the time that you've been here in the oh, last 17 years. Oh my goodness, years. Martha. It's, it's unusual. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. Uh, population shifts. So we have, uh, it's interesting to watch what's happening in our country. A number of ethnicities that are growing and emerging across the U.S. So we're no longer a predominantly uh, white culture. So how do we adapt? How we adjust? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's absolutely critical as we seek to incorporate. And that's what education does: is is that incorporates and assimilates all cultures into one. Right. That's the beauty of our democracy, mm-hmm. and it's the beauty of the educational system in the United States. And as the, as the population shifts, we're seeing fewer students or fewer high school graduates now than there were before, mm-hmm. and we will. It will bottom out in the year 2019, and then we'll see an uptick uh, in bursts or graduations at that time uh, from 2019 up until about 2030, year 2030. There's also been a a significant increase, especially in the last 10 or 15 years, on parents' expectation and demands that we prepare students for a career. College used to be about preparing people for life. Mm-hmm. And so about that transformational aspect that you and I talked about, Jim, earlier, right. that's what college was about. Now it's all about career preparation. Can my child find a job? Let's talk about can your child have a quality life right. by learning and by exploring God's creation? Because the more you know about God's creation, the more you know, the, the deeper your faith grows. James Fowler says in his faith theory that there's two ways of, of growing in your faith. One is, is growing the depth of your understanding of God's creation. And second are tests of adversity. And so those two things combine together deep in one's faith. Now that's a whole nother different show, Jim and Martha. Well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a good one. That's right. So when you look at in the last 17 years under your tenure as president here at University mm-hmm. of Northwestern in Roseville, Minnesota, check them out online, unwsp.edu. How has Northwestern adjusted to those changes? Because this uh, used to be this cute little college on a hill on a lake with a little radio station. Right. And I keep telling our employees that uh, the why here at Northwestern never changes, but the how does. So we, our mission has not changed since 1902, but how we deliver that mission has different. We don't teach the way we taught in 1910, 1920, 1930. We do things online now. We have over 300 courses online. We have hybrid courses. We reach out, we respond to the market, react to the market. As it changes, so do we. So in other words, four years ago, we didn't have nursing as a major. That was the number one requested major of students applying to Northwestern. Wow. Okay, let's start a nursing program. We did. Often running after four years, uh, we've got about 200 students involved in the program because we're maxed out according to our facilities. And the state of the state board of nursing in Minnesota came out with a ranking of the 42 programs in the state. We were number one. Wow! So as, it, as a young program, yes, exactly, Martha. And so we're really pleased with God's uh, affirmation of the work we're doing and trying to please Him. But it's responding to the market, adapting and adjusting. And, but at the same time, keeping the core of who we are the same as it was in the, in the beginning, mm-hmm. because God doesn't change. Mm-hmm. The word of God doesn't change. The essence of what, what we study doesn't change. But how things adapt in our culture, that we do change. And the way kids run through families, when you first, I mean, even 17 years ago when oh, you started here yeah. and when you were getting your doctorate, families were still for the most part intact, but the fabric of society through families has been torn. And so you get a lot of broken kids here. Oh, so how do you see your role, Dr. Curitan, as, I mean, you're like the lead pastor here on campus. How do you see your role like that? And how do you, how do you transfer that through all the, the 
parts of your organization? Well, the, uh, the, the needs of a student today are totally different than they were 20 years ago. There's no doubt about it. That, uh, it's, um, it's amazing to me how much, uh, support we're providing, uh, for, uh, counseling, mm-hmm. uh, for health services, medical, that type of thing. And even at our institution where students come for that biblical worldview, who come because they believe in Christ and have made them uh, made the decision to make him their savior, they still come from broken families. And uh, you know, I would say, uh, from what our research tells us, about 60% of our student body come from single or blended families. So even then you have that, we, even within the church or outside the church, you have the baggage and the residual that comes from those decisions. Um, and then the impact on these young people. It's not unusual at the end of a semester for some of our students to go into deep anxiety because they don't want to leave campus. They don't mm-hmm. want to go home. And so then the, the course is, what do we do to help them? How do we, how do we bridge that? I'll give you another example. We had a student who uh, attempted suicide in the fall last year, and uh, we took her to the hospital. We intervened, and we contacted the parent, and the parent said, I don't want anything. Don't call me. I don't want anything. She's on her own. What? I mean, it's kind of like, you got to be kidding. You know, why would you abdicate that responsibility as a parent? And so we end up in local parentis, we end up being the parents. So we reached, we helped that student. We had, you know, adapted, adjusted. She couldn't go home. So we made concessions that let her stay on campus and watched and got over her. Who abandons their child like that? I mean, I, I mean, I didn't get it. It's you know, a crazy world we oh, live in. Oh, it's unbelievable. And this is at a Christian college. You multiply that at the state university. Right. Does the state university care when you're at 80,000 students? I'm sure they do when they know the situation. But here, you know, the intimacy we have at a small college is that we can care for each and every one of those students. And that really goes back to the question on adapting, because that is not a way that you you would have not necessarily chosen that. But that's no. the that's right. what God gave you to deal with at that time. Right. And you you took that mantle. Right. And at the same time, people are saying, why are you raising tuition? <laughs> are you kidding? Well, first of all, you know, your, your child's coming with a significant amount of needs. And what's also interesting is parents, the expectation of parents. They'll come into a residence hall room and they'll say, how old is this carpet? How, you know, d- do you provide enough Wi-Fi? You know, I mean, what they're looking for is convenience, comfort, and luxury. And, and it's mm-hmm. different than when 25, 30, 40 years ago when I was in college, you want air conditioning, open the window. You want a rug, go out and buy a remnant. You know, that type of Absolutely. thing. Today, today, it's like, does my child really need to share a room? I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah, well, or the Wi-Fi, oh my goodness, we spend so much money on broadband, and the students just, they just, Mm -hmm. you know, they're all carrying four or five individual wireless devices, and they just suck it up, it's unbelievable. Living in a dorm gym was such a character building experience for you, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. there's nothing like that. Mankato learning, State where yes, I went. Yeah. learning to adjust and and having to you know compromise and we all had, of those character qualities okay, that we you had have to buy to, our own carpet and we had to build our own yes, bunk beds, build your own oh, beds, and man, all of we that. Had to bring our own TV and we didn't even we had to buy my own computer. It was unbelievable. It's terrible <laughs> things. Man, I'll talk about the rock ages back then. Okay, all right. So listen at the and we're talking with today with Dr. Alan Curitan. Mm-hmm. He's the president at the University of Northwestern. You could check University of Northwestern out online, unwsp.edu, located just north of St. Paul, Minnesota, which is the capital of this great state in the town of Roseville. All right. University of Northwestern, Dr. Curitan, it's, it's one of these Christ-focused organizations. 
However, it doesn't mean it's perfect because we've been in a lot of organizations that are Jesus-centered organizations, but they're not necessarily perfect or a perfectly healthy place to work. Well, they're still humans. There's, well, there's still humans involved. <laughs> so have you, have you figured out a way to eliminate the human factor? No. How have you created a healthy working environment in a church environment here? It, you know, I mean, this is, that's one of the things I see str- people struggle mm-hmm. with. They go into a nonprofit, a Christian nonprofit environment, mm-hmm. and they find them sometimes to be toxic. How right. have you created a healthy environment here? Right. Well, these are great questions because, you know, living in a broken, fallen world, uh, and we're all still broken creatures, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's tough. It's not easy. One of the things we did was we strengthened the HR efforts. So in that regards, we invest back into our employees. We provide leadership training. Uh, we provide uh, holistic development in regards to their health. So every summer we have uh, uh, some physical, active things, recreational things that they can get involved in. Uh, two, we provide, uh, if they're struggling, like we were just talking about counseling, if they're struggling in their marriage, we will provide counseling uh, and pay for it. Um, if there is a need in their family for health situations where the, uh, they have a child that needs attention or something, we will give them extended uh, paid time off, PTO, mm-hmm. what we call. We, so we invest a lot in our employee back to them. Uh, we have benefits here that are, are uh, extremely strong. So like health care, we pay 90% of their health care. And, um, and, and, you know, those are things that add up over the long run. Mm-hmm. But what's also key is that most people, nearly everyone here is here because of the mission of the institution. And that's the mission that brought them here. It's the mission that's keeping them here. And they want to make a difference for the kingdom. And they do that by staying here and impacting whatever their role is. If they're in accounting services, if they're working in facility services, in their classroom, teaching as a faculty member, they all sense that wonderful mission and that motivates and keeps them here. So we invest a lot back into them. Uh, we have a very positive vibe. We gather as, as a community uh, three times every summer, once a month, basically, and just have coffee and mm. and something sweet to eat. Uh, typical <laughs> That's Americans. That's always good. Right, right, right. We're talking with Dr. <laughs> Alan Curitan. He's the president and has been the president for 17 years of this great organization. And Martha and I, growing up here in the Twin Cities, have known about this organization, mm-hmm. spent time with you, have lots of graduates in our family. This is a proud organization and they churn out students that love the Lord and are making an impact in every workplace across the country as they graduate. Dr. Curitan, right before the break, you were talking about the mission of the University of Mm -hmm. Northwestern. What is that mission? Well, the mission statement goes that uh, Northwestern University of Northwestern exists to provide Christ-centered higher education, to equip students to grow intellectually and spiritually, want them to do both, to serve effectively in their chosen profession, and to give God-honoring leadership in the home church community world. Mm. So we want them to grow intellectually and spiritually. Then we want them to prepare for their vocation because nothing weakens your Christian witness more than mediocrity or incompetence. And then thirdly, we want them to be God-honoring leaders in their home, first Mm -hmm. the home, then the church, then their community, then the world. So there's there's an outgoing there. So wherever you're planted, be a God-honoring leader. And uh, that leadership takes on different forms. It's not necessarily that you're the extrovert, mm-hmm. you know, broadcasting from somewhere, but just uh, someone who loves and serves and is biblical in that approach. On the media side, you know, we have the media ministry that we own the 18 radio stations. Uh, Northwestern Media exists to lead people to Christ. 
and to nurture, spiritually nurture people in their journey with the Lord. So those are the mission statements that drive us. And uh, that, everything, everything we do revolves around those mission statements. You know, and I think, Jim, that that's why, for any of our listeners who've been listening for any period of time, they see that connection with what we talk about every day on the radio. Because our dream would be a world where we don't need to help people make that connection between their mm-hmm. faith and their work, mm-hmm. that, it, that they already get it. Right. And that's really what we are seeing in universities like yours, where you're making, helping to make that connection early on and saying your vocation matters, right. and, but do it God honoring. We, one of our things, Jim, Jim talked about our, um, I work for him nation pledge. And one of those things is to do your job with excellence, to be the best and brightest employee that you can be because like you said, if you're not even doing that, you know, where is that example that you're, you're putting out there where people could right. even be in, inquisitive right. of who you really are and what's driving you? So I just love hearing that, Jim, because it so aligns with, with what we're hoping all of our listeners hear. And there's more and more of that happening at the university and college level. And that's so exciting to see that that next generation can, can maybe not have as big of a gap between their faith and their work. Dr. Kiriton, you've been the leader of this organization for 17 years. What we hear from leaders of large organizations across the country is that it's lonely at the top and that they often can't share the reality of their humanity with their, because you don't have any peers. You're the t- top of the, the food mm-hmm. chain here. They don't, you can't <laughs> share the reality of your humanity with the, with the people that report to you. Where do you go to get that peer accountability to get that encouragement to get that that, where you can just be real so that it's not lonely because that that, at the top that's just we hear that's lonely up there it is extremely low leadership is lonely Mm -hmm. Uh, first and foremost you can't avoid it and there's just the reality that goes with it it's interesting i didn't realize how deep and how extensive that loneliness was until i took the job so um, but it's just, it's a calling as Gail and I've thought, talked this through and wrestled with it. It's a calling right now. And so we're okay with that for this period of time. Mm-hmm. But for, for where do we go? We go to family. Oh, is family wonderful for keeping your feet to the ground? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's if you got an older sister. Yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right, right. They're the grandkids. The grandkids don't care if you have a doctorate in front of nope. your name or a president. I mean, the grandkids are the kids and stuff like that. So, or even my siblings, you know, just to wrestle with my siblings, they're very frank in keeping you honest. And then, of course, if you're blessed with a brother in law or brother in laws, they're wonderful in mm-hmm. keeping your uh, feet grounded. So, we go to family a lot, and then That's we have great. some dear friends that uh, we are very close to, but n- none of them live here or mm-hmm. live nearby, but we're close to them, and we, we engage with them as much as we can. So, Gail, I imagine it's the name of your wife. That's correct. Okay, so again, leaders struggle across America. We see this struggle because of the high demands on your position as a president mm-hmm. of a university, a large university, an influential university. How, mm-hmm. have, how are you being intentional in protecting your marriage from your job? Oh, great question. Well, first of all, Gail and I see this as a team effort. And Mm -hmm. so when we took this, uh, accepted this offer and this call to come up here, we did it together. And so, because I realized that there was no way I could do this without her help. Also, the trustees allow, uh, by her being employed at the institution as well, uh, allow her to travel with me, which really helps because there's an extensive amount of travel with this job. And having her there with me really helps and also holds me accountable, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely wonderful. And so, and and necessary in that regards. But we we talk through things and and we discuss things. And so, we're in this together in that aspect. And, And that's 
extremely helpful in that regards, Jim. So uh, it's just like you and Martha in many respects in your ministry too. Well, yeah. I I mean, I, when I went on the air, it was just me at first. I'm like, Oh, and then we added Martha and people go, you know, Jim, when you're on the radio, you know, it was good radio. When Martha's on with you, it becomes great radio, but I don't want to do this without her because we are traveling so much. How many years have you and Gail been married? Uh, 40, 42. 42 years, right. Congratulations. That's fantastic. (laughs) Think about it for a second. Yes, sir. Hey, we're talking today with Dr. Alan Curitan, and he's the president of the University of Northwestern right here, just north of St. Paul. You can find out him online, unwsp.edu. And that SP does stand for St. Paul. It it really should be RV, but it didn't rhyme as as well. unwsp.edu, unwsp.edu. If you're looking for a great place for your student to go to college and get a biblically grounded education in so many different degree programs, this is a place you need to check out. At least be on the list. Come mm-hmm. visit. And it's beautiful in the wintertime. Everything's white. Mm. UNWSP.edu. Well, it really is a beautiful campus as we you know drove in and you see the the very um, famous rock that you know everybody yeah, right. recognizes when you right. come in. And um, all the years, Jim, it just brought me back to memories of coming here for weddings, um, day set apart for women, the radio station being here, just so many things. When Tatina Hall was was made and we oh, went to he, our first he's already there. hungry for pizza oh, you know he's I like mean, he can't help can't but think t- about Tino pizzas in florida anymore, no so. they don't come there so let's drill down just for the people that are listening listening it might be have never heard of university of northwestern before um let's talk about what programs you guys offer well martha we have an extensive array of programs that cover all the disciplines okay so recently we're building up our science and technology and engineering and mathematics mm. And that generally, when a college matures and grows, is the last area of development. So we're very strong in education and other social sciences like communications, business, things like that. We're very extensively uh, strong in the areas that deal with ministry. Of Mm -hmm. course, we can imagine that. And then um, we have recently then began to develop those programs in the STEMs. And and the reason for that is that students are asking for those programs. So we are in the process of launching a uh, full-time, full-blown engineering major. Mm. And uh, we are seeking to expand our graduate programs. So we offer seven graduate programs now. We resurrected those about eight years ago and have done really well. We do the Masters of Divinity, Masters in Theology. We also do a Masters in Leadership, an MBA, uh, Masters in Human Services, and other things like that. So we're also looking at expanding in the healthcare fields because that's where a tremendous amount of growth is going to be in the next Mm -hmm. 15 years. So we're looking at laying the groundwork for occupational therapy, physical therapy, nurse practitioner, and physician's assistant. So there are currently only three schools that uh, offer a physician's assistant program. One is Bethel up the road, the other is Augsburg, and then St. Catharines. And that's it in the entire state of Minnesota. So in order to meet the state's greater good, uh, more of the colleges need to help out and do that. So um, that's what we're doing right now and undertaking. You know, so just think about all of those professions and if all of them are, are being educated with excellence and also connecting their faith to what they're learning and, and going out with confidence, knowing mm-hmm. that God created them to do whatever it is that they've called them to do. I mean, just how many graduates are you sending out there on a, on a given year? On an annual basis, a little over 600. 
Okay. Right. Every year. Wow. Right. And they can, I mean, that can change the whole culture of every vocation that they go into if they go in with confidence knowing what God's empowered them to do. You know, what we tell our students, especially those that are not in the ministry, mm-hmm. is that wait, no wait, matter oh, where, wait, 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 wait. No, listen to me out. Hear me yeah, out, Jim. Yeah, hear yeah. me out. And what I mean is a church ministry, yeah, yeah. that every place is a, is a, is a ministry. Yes. Every place is a mission field. Yes. And there's no greater mission field right now than the marketplace. Oh, Amen. And so for our students, they want to go internationally mm-hmm. and try to proclaim the good news. They've got to do it in the marketplace. They can't go to certain countries as a pastor or yep. missionary anymore. They've got to go in as a teacher or a business person mm-hmm. or something along that line. So we are really hammering that hard to say to the students, look, you can stay at home and work at Medtronic here in the Twin Cities, and that's a mission field. So how are you teaching that to them? I mean, um, do all the professors have the same approach or we talk they... yeah we talk about it constantly okay and so the the faculty talk about it constantly how do you integrate your faith with what you're doing and so that's that's a major reason why these accounting firms come to our campus and recruit our students hmm. they only go to the university of minnesota carlson school of management and northwestern to hire accounting majors and every one of our accounting majors has a job by april so wow. when people say you know are, are your students getting work <laughs> It's not a question. Our students are hired right away. Education majors, they're hired, snatched up by the school districts because they're getting someone who understands, who's well-prepared and loves to work hard and sees education as a calling, right. not a job, right. a calling, a vocation. And avoid those motivations. You can't. How do, how do you measure that? How do you mm. impact that? So. I imagine that every one of your degree programs has, do, do people graduate from it? Does everybody have like a biblical minor or do they have a biblical emphasis? I mean, they're getting that at no matter how they graduate from here. Right. Yeah, so if you come for the whole four years that you're here, and which is, by the way, is unusual. I mean, things are changing now. Really? Um, y- you receive 30, 30 hours of biblical study within the 126 that's required in your major over a four-year period. <laughs> if you transfer in, then we prorate it. But somehow, some way, you're going to get that biblical grounding while you're here. And our faculty do a great job of integrating the Christian faith into their discipline. Regardless of the discipline, you should hear the math professor talk about it. How in the world do you integrate Christian faith into math? But he do, they do a great job doing it. That's fabulous. Understanding the complexity of the world that God's created. Everything's predictable with math. Everything is explainable with math. I mean, that's an easy... I taught math one year. That was... Okay. Because I had to do that same thing. So, you know, we've had a lot of fun just kind of talking through the programs that you guys offer here and why you do what you do. But we have a bigger, a bigger question, and that is, why should somebody want to have a Christian higher education? Oh, Martha, you know, that's the one thing that I try to share with parents all the time is that, you know, they will look and say... Uh, first of all, does my student, does my child need to go to college? I would argue yes. Um, you know, right now in our society, they're pushing back and saying, is college really necessary? It is necessary. One, just for the quality of life. Two is the uh, uh, the earning income over a, a lifetime is significantly higher for a college graduate, regardless of what their discipline is. Mm-hmm. And even if you uh, have graduate degrees, it goes up, but also the unemployment rate for graduate students is pretty significant. Yes, you always hear about that wild card way that you know way out, but mm-hmm. but then again, okay. So I would say to a parent, look, if you're gonna if you are really wanting to invest in your child and their well being and their life quality then they should seriously consider a Christ-centered institution, especially if their child is a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, if they're a follower, what better place to do that than in a Christian institution? So there's an opportunity for them then to understand 
one, how does my discipline, let's say I'm going into the marketplace and business, majoring in finance, every day in finance, these individuals, when I speak to them, they're asked to compromise their values and mm-hmm. principles in life. And, and, and how do you stand up to that? How do you make your case for that in regards to approaching and fulfilling your vocation or your call? And what a better time to equip them now in their life when they're 18 to 24 or sometime in that time age to help them mold and shape their morals and their convictions as to who they are. So I keep saying to parents, parents, the University of Northwestern or other Christian colleges like us are like a harbor. And these ships in the harbor, we, we equip them, we build them, we, re- we renovate them, we make them ready to sail the seas where the storms are going to happen because it's out in the sea where life happens, right? They're not, ships aren't built for the harbor. They're right. built for the sea. When, they, when, when we send our students out into life, we want them to be able to handle the storms of life and to handle that from, you know, being out on the ocean. So that's really what the Christian higher education is all about. If you go to a university and, and, and the Lord can bless people through a university, don't get me wrong on that, but they're going to teach you knowledge. We're going to teach you wisdom. Mm. There's a major difference between the two. We're going to pursue those principles that are outlined in Proverbs about teaching wisdom and understanding. What does it mean then? Why did God create? How did God create? What's the influence? What's the purpose? Rather than just pure knowledge. And making so, that difference. So you've referenced several times telling the parents, mm-hmm. um, I guess I kind of have this perspective that the kids make the decision. Is that not the case with your, um, I don't want to say clientele, but your students? Well, this is clientele. They, I mean, I, yeah. The mothers make the decision. Okay. Right. And no so our, we're really going after the mothers. Okay. Uh, they might say, well, it's really up to Johnny or Jane. Yeah. No, nah, it's the mothers <laughs> that make the decision. So, uh, and, and in some respects, they will say the final recourse, okay, it's your choice. You know, I told my children, I said, you can go to college anywhere you want, but this is where I'm paying. Uh, you know, yep. type of thing. Yep. And I, you can make that decision if you really want to give the child that that decision. Mm-hmm. So, and in many respects, some some students we do have at Northwestern, they come because they're they're required to come here, mm-hmm. and their time here is not as productive as it could be. Mm-hmm. But and, and I feel bad about that. Uh, and then they'll transfer out, but at least they got a year here. At least they got a year mm-hmm. of going to chapel and being part of the community and, and worshiping and leading and that type of thing. And but you, our retention rate here is so high that when students come, they stay. And you said the the age is 18 to 24, but you mm-hmm. recently had an 84-year-old graduate. Uh-huh. Wait graduate with an MBA. Right. In our graduate program, I think it was great. So there's no limit to no. when people can stop learning, never stop learning. That's right. He graduated from the University of Northwestern in 1954 and came back and got a degree later. Oh my word. That's <laughs> fabulous. That is fabulous. All right. So, so speak to those parents, the prospective parents and mm-hmm. grandparents, because I know right. sometimes grandparents get involved in helping pay. And too. they can. Yep. Talk, talk to them about why they should be sending their student here just in a, in a, in a few sentences. Well, the uh, the universities that we remember when we were kids, when we were young, are are different today. Um, it is uh, in the environment, the educational environment of a university. The preponderance of philosophy there is to deconstruct what you know in life and rebuild it. So uh, anything that your family has built as far as an understanding or a perspective or a worldview is going to be deconstructed or torn down and rebuilt at that public institution. So that's just the philosophy that exists and permeates our universities today. So a different educational approach. Uh, We try to build on what the family has already created. We want to build on that foundation. We want 
that student, whoever he or she is, is to say, okay, this is what my church used to tell me. This is what my family told me. What do I believe? What are my convictions? What are my principles? So there's a way of, of transitioning from external influences to internal convictions. And that's what our goal here. I mean, I mean does UCLA do that? I don't know. I don't think UCLA does that. I know they don't do that. You described the educational system as a perfect. A deconstructing and reconstructing versus building on what already went on at home. And the scary thing is what it gets reconstructed into. Oh, sure. Oh, exactly. Just an anti, exactly. anti-Christianity so kind of a view. We know, according to the research done by the Barna Group and confirmed by Pew, is that 80% of all evangelical kids who attend a public school will walk away from their faith. Say that again. 80%. 80%. Well, when they attend, 80% of the students who are evangelical who attend a public institution will walk away from their faith during their college years. Wow. That's now, a how do you get number. them back? How do you get them back? Right. That, that's a major surely. concern for me. But, um, but I understand the financial implications. I understand that there might be close proximity to attendance and convenience and things mm-hmm. like that. But that's why I say to parents, if your child goes, stay close to them. Yeah. Stay close to them. Find out what they're studying. Find out who's teaching it. Find out what the content of the class is. Ask some questions. Generally, they, you know, if they're a male student, they don't say much. If they're a female student, they generally talk. So, anyways, at least that's what I find out with my sons versus my daughter. <laughs> All right. So, answer this question. Dr. Alan Kirtan, you've been the president of University of Northwestern for 17 years. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to grow in your faith to keep your faith fresh as you grow this organization? Well, I belong to a accountability group of about five guys, uh, which is really helpful to me. And uh, we meet once a month and and we're all leaders of significant ministries in that regard. So that's a real help. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, uh, Gail and I are part of a church uh, when, we're, when we're in town that we participate in and we're active in. And then thirdly, uh, they're just the discipline of just personal devotional time. Um, I do read a lot. Um, I am on the board of the National Association of Evangelicals, so I have to stay up on uh, several key issues that are impacting uh, the kingdom here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, th- those are those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very important. Yeah. All right. So give us one example of a miracle of God that you've witnessed right here on campus. Something a miracle? You've seen, something you've seen God do that you're like, ha, that's the power of Jesus working on my campus. Well, I'll give you the most recent example, and it doesn't have to do with the campus, but it has to do with our media ministry. Okay. All right? So uh, we bought the Des Moines station back in 2003 after waiting 30 years for an opportunity to enter that market. (laughs) So we uh, bought the station. Um, The station came with a tower, uh, a signal that didn't penetrate the whole coverage of the area. So in other words, the tower was 30 miles south of the city. We got most of the city, but we didn't couldn't touch the northern parts of it or Ankeny. So we had to pick up another tower, which was a different frequency, 96.1 versus 107.1. So all this time, we've been looking for an opportunity to get a major uh, signal over the what we call city grade. Well, there was a, de- a, a station up in Denison, Iowa, 107.1, same frequency, that we tried to buy, but the owner wasn't interested. And he finally decided that he was interested in selling, sold it to somebody, but their financing didn't go through. So we came in and said, we, we'd like to buy it. We have a cash. We can pay for it. And so he sold it to us. So we're transferring that signal down. Now, in the process of doing that, we have to move our tower toward the Southwest corridor of Des Moines. And Mm -hmm. it has to fit within a triangle of seven Mm -hmm. miles by five miles by eight. Mm -hmm. 
So our station manager there, Bruce Barrows, was looking for people who supported us who lived in that district. Found a farmer, found a guy who had 50 acres of land. 50 acres of land. So he went, knocked on the door and said, uh, introduced himself and said, thank you for connecting the station. He said, uh, would you be open to the idea of putting a tower on your, on your pasture land? And the guy said, you know, I had a vision 25 years ago from the Lord that there'd be a radio tower on this land. Mm-hmm. I have been waiting for you to knock on my door for 25 oh, years. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Before we're out of time, when you hear I work for him, what does it mean to you? Well, I work for him, you know, that, that encompasses all of my life. I mean, that's my focus. You know, I mean, if you're talking about your radio, I, you know, I haven't thought about your radio show. I'm sorry, but no, it's the that, no, no, no. But when I say I work for him, I, that's my whole goal. That's my whole focus. That's my purpose. I exist for God's glory and his joy. Mm. And so mm. everything I do on my desk is done with the idea that, okay, how can I do to glorify God? Dr. Alan Curitan, president of the University of Northwestern, thanks for being on iWork for him today. Well, thank you, Jim and Martha. This has been an absolute delight and joy. Thank you. Check them out online, unwsp.edu, unwsp.edu, the University of Northwestern. You've been listening to iWork for him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.